Welcome to Whole Mother. This is KPFT 90.1 HD1. I'm your host, Pat Jones, and this is Houston's Community Station. Whole Mother is a voice in our community which educates and informs us. There are many decisions to be made out there as a parent, mother, father, grandparent, aunt, uncle, neighbor, birthing person, friend. Whole Mother believes that we need to always make our choices out of rational thinking. Choices that are made through education and research, not out of fear, especially fear that is imposed by those who stand to gain by our choices. It is hoped that the education you receive on this show will contribute to the way we birth and the way we parent. All humans are born good. I've seen more than 3,000 babies come into the world, and I can tell you that there are no bad babies. There are no bad humans. All babies are born exactly the same in their goodness, their innocence, their curiosity, their brilliance, their ability to love and to trust. They're all born with the same delight in the world. It doesn't matter what country they're born in, what skin color they have, what language they're learning to speak, or how much money is in their family. We are all born with the same goodness. We all come into the world with the same potential. If that's true, that all humans are born without hate, judgment, shame, or jealousy, then where do we learn those qualities if we're not born with them? Whole Mother is here to look at our parenting, which begins in the very first moment of birth. If we want to live in a peaceful world, don't we need to begin life in a peaceful world? If we, don't, if we want to teach our children peace, love, harmony, respect, don't we need to give that first? Remember that KPFT is listener-sponsored, and you are the listeners. There's no corporate sponsorships. That means we bring you information and education that's not funded or sponsored by anyone but you. We need your help to stay on the air. I'm seeing that KPFT cannot continue to air this program while others fundraise to keep us on the air. We need to do our part. We need $1,400 every quarter in order to pay for our show, the whole mother show. Would you help to keep us on the air by contributing anything you can, especially on a regular basis, so that we can bring you education and information that's for you, the truths about parenting and birthing, the best information I can find? Please go to kpft.org or call 713-526-5738. You can also email me at birthcare at aol.com with suggestions for the show or for fundraising. I am excited for today's show. Uh, we have several guests, maybe the most guests I've ever had on the show. Um, and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves, but first I just want to say or ask you, did you ever think you might want to become a midwife? Or do you know someone that you think, oh, she'd be a great midwife? My guests this evening, this morning, are all going to tell you about their journey 
to become a midwife. But first of all, I want them to each introduce themselves and tell you a little about who they are. So let's start with um, Amy. Hi, my name is Amy. I'm a midwife in Montgomery, Texas. Um, I have been licensed now for three years um, and have really, really enjoyed having a small practice that really is focused on that mom and baby and the family dynamic. Um, and just giving support in any way that I can. Um, I'm blessed to have three wonderful children. Um, my oldest is Jewel. She is 17. And then I have Corbin, who's 15. And then the whole reason I am in midwifery today, Scarlett, who just turned seven. Um, so that's kind of who I am and where I am. And I guess I'll tell you about my journey when we wrap things back around. Yes, thank you. That's wonderful. So could we give a big shout out to Jewel and Corbin and Scarlett and tell them how pleased we are to have their mom on the show? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. How about Farron? Hi, my name is Farron Foley, and I am so excited to be uh, a midwife, and um, I have three children. I have a 10-year-old and twins that are seven. Um, and I, in my spare time, I love just spending time with them, like doing the laundry, cooking for them, being mom. Yes, that's so cool. Tell me, tell us their names. Their names is Brock, he's the 10-year-old, and Layla and Layla's 18 minutes older than Blake. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for being here. All right. Uh, Francis. Yes, ma'am. Good afternoon. Yes, it's afternoon time. My name is Francis Coleman, and I have been a midwife for coming up three, uh, not three, coming up four years in April. Um, and I have a home birth practice here in Houston. I go pretty much everywhere. Um, I too have three children, um, a 10 year old and a set of twins. There's seven. Um, and the 10 year old, her name is Olivia. And, um, the twins are Grace and Jacob and Grace is a minute older than Jacob. Um, and I have a, we're not able to say bad words on the show. So I have a pretty, you know, amazing husband who oh. is supportive as well. His name is Jeffrey Coleman, um, who allows me to do this work um, and supports me through the uh, good and the bad. And so, um, yeah, that's me. Um, I'm pretty live at five most of the time. So. Um, it's just been a lazy Sunday for me, so that's why I kind of sound real easy. But normally, I'm I'm fired up, ready to go. <laughs> that's wonderful, and and thank you, Jeffrey, for all you do. I'd like to go back to Amy and Farron uh, because I know that to be a midwife, you have to have support. It just doesn't work if you don't, uh, or it's really really hard. So I I bet Amy, do you have someone that you'd like to thank for their support? 
So when I was going through midwifery school, um, my mother actually lived in the house with me um, and she helped, but I was a single mom going through midwifery school. Um, And yeah, so it it was a lot. I did not have that partner, um, but I at least had a mom that was there that would support me. And when I left at two o'clock in the morning, she was okay with that. Uh Very good. So thanks to your mom. Absolutely. Uh, Farron, do you have someone you'd like to acknowledge? Yes, I acknowledge my husband. He, um, I've traveled um, all over just to learn and to gain skills working with different midwives for months at a time. Yes. And he's taken care of the kids full time. And then, I've, of course, I thank Frances Coleman because I have worked under her for a good amount of time as well. Oh, all these special little people, all these special people. Yes. uh, Yes. Thank you. And what's your husband's name? His name is Reggie. Reggie. Okay. Thank you, Reggie. We know, but those of us that are midwives, we know what it takes. (laughs) Thank you to, to Reggie. Thank you to Amy's mom. Thank you to Jeffrey. Okay. Um, Malaya. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Malia Hardiman, and I am a certified and licensed midwife since the summer of 2022. Yay. Um, Yeah. I have been on this journey since 2015, so the list of people I could thank is very long. Um, I would like to thank Pat, of course. Uh, She was one of the midwives that helped me get my start and all the beautiful friends I've made along the way. You absolutely know who you are. One of you is in the show with me today. And um, of course, my husband as well. Uh, He wasn't with me the whole journey, but he showed up in the nick of time. Um, And I loved him dearly. And his name is Tari. Very good. Is it Terry? Tari. Tari. Okay. Thank you, Tari, for all you're doing and, and what you're going to do. <laughs> we're, yes. we're, we're going to be very grateful. Uh, okay. Let's see. Victoria. Okay. Hello. Um, I'm Victoria Solis. I have been licensed now for about a year. Um, I actually work with Francis Coleman, and I also work with Jamie Bouton uh, in Pearland. And um, yeah, we do home birth and birth center down in Galveston. Um, I have four children. Uh, Joseph is 16. Gabriel is 14. Samuel is seven. Eleanor is two. And um, I'm actually pregnant with my fifth. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Um, support wise, definitely my husband. His name is Elvis. And um, my mom. She, I couldn't have gotten through midwifery school without her. Uh-huh. So that's so cool. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's see. Um, I think I have uh, talked to everyone now except Melissa. Hi, I'm Melissa uh, Neely. I have had my certification for five days now. So I am a brand new certified midwife. Um, I'm a CPM. I plan on serving kind of the rural areas of Southwest Houston. I'm in Richmond Rosenberg. I'm actually not far from Farron. 
I have three kids, Kate, who is 10, Alexandra, Allie, who is eight, and William, who's about to be six. And um, my husband is Dan, and he's incredibly supportive, though sometimes I forget to remember that he's yes. been supportive. We um, and there's, yeah, and I'm seeing all these people um, here, like all of the people on this call, and then so many mentors, um, other midwives, other friends, um, other students, other, uh, my previous lactation clients. So I used to be an IBCLC, I still am. And, um, they've just all been so incredibly supportive financially, emotionally, um, helping with kids at the last minute. My best friend, Tiffany has, you know, when I was setting up for my NARM exam, she was like, if you need me to take the kids all day, I will. And she's been incredibly supportive. Yeah. Tiffany and Dan are my two, my two not on this show people, (laughs) my main ones. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, all of you. All right. So I think uh, we've introduced everyone. So now let's talk about uh, the journey to become a midwife. Um, That journey has not been easy. There have been some challenges, uh, some crooked roads, some windy roads. Um, I think it could be beneficial for our audience, for our community to hear some of those stories. And especially uh, for anyone out there that's considering uh, joining the midwifery community to hear it's, it's not easy. So who'd like to go first? I can go first. Um, So I tell people all the time that I got into midwifery on a joke, like a dare, because (laughs) I was done having my children when I had my first two. And then lo and behold, I got pregnant again. And was my friend was like, if I ever get pregnant, I'm going to have a midwife. And I was like, yeah, sure. Me too. I didn't really know much about midwifery, anything else. Um, And so I had her through a midwife things went a little bit awry. I had her on the back of an ambulance. And the moment that I was no longer pregnant and the placenta actually came out, I looked at my midwife on the ambulance and I was like, I have to go to back to school. And she's like, why? And I was like, cause I have to be a midwife now. And it was just laid on me. And so uh, within two months I'd quit my job, was enrolled in midwifery school and have never looked back. Um, with that calling. Being- Yes. <laughs> it was when it was laid on me, it was laid very, very hard on me. Um, from there, I started mentoring with the midwife that I had throughout my um, pregnancy and was with her most of the time. I spent a little bit of time with other midwives, but primarily with her. Um, and then she was called on a missionary trip and I started my own practice and I just had something really special happen. My very last as a student uh, delivery just sent me an email and was like, hey, look, I'm pregnant again. And will you be like my for real midwife, like licensed and everything? (laughs) So I'm super excited to start serving families again. I have repeat three repeats in February. And when like half your practice are repeats, you know that your calling's coming where it's supposed to be. Um, with all that said, it wasn't necessarily easy. I 
did Instacart and cleaned houses and any odd and end job that I could possibly do to support me and my three kids. Um, like I said, I was a single mom, so I had to make it work and still put in 40 plus hours being a student. Um, and everything worked out in the end. And now things kind of seem simple, not having a 40 hour a week job and then all the odd ends and all the other things. So um, it was a lot. And now my passion is really helping some of the students that are becoming midwives um, start being able to do some tangible things that without being licensed yet. So they don't have to tell these people that are following them, I can't see you and they can still be a part of their care, but we have a licensed midwife there and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's been one of the things that I've really enjoyed doing, giving back to a community, the community of midwives. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Who wants to go next? Um, I'll jump in. All so right. I, I started studying. I knew I wanted to be a midwife when I found out midwives were a thing. And that was when I, that was actually a year before I conceived my oldest daughter. But at the time I was a teacher and I had gone to school. I was even getting my master's at the time um, in music education. And I was like, well, I can't switch careers for whatever reason. I had decided that was just not something people did. And I, after I had my daughter, I was like, no, I, I'm going to become a midwife. It's going to happen. Um, but living on call with small children, um, given the parenting style my husband and I chose to do, which was more of the attachment style parenting, um, didn't seem very much like an option because a lot of times when you're apprenticing, and not always, I've seen some very flexible midwives and apprentices, but most of the time they're not going to say, oh yeah, you can bring your baby to a birth. Um, and so, you know, uh, my husband was very much, you know, I can't breastfeed in the middle of the night. So you need to be here. Um, and our kids didn't take bottles. So I had my three kids, I worked lactation and that was why I was, so I could stay close to the birth world. And once my son was born, I you know, I was like, that's it. I have to become a midwife. I have to, we're done having kids time to switch gears. And I started apprenticing with the midwife I had for my son and she was very kind. And I think I I've had three preceptors and I have learned wonderful things from each of them. Um, the first preceptor felt like we weren't a great fit. Um, when I got to the end of the observes and it was time for me to start doing things. And then my second preceptor, um, was moving to Scotland, uh, Amy's preceptor. And so she took me on for a little bit, but we knew she was closing up her practice. Um, so I was there for the tail end of that. And then I had a wonderful, um, certified nurse midwife take me on and say, you know, you've, because during this time I assisted a bunch of midwives in the community and she was like, you know, you just need to be done. Like you're ready to do the hands-on skills and get done because you've done all of this other assisting, like, let's go which was very wonderful. Um, and so I've spent the last year hardcore apprenticing and getting my numbers. Um, it was really uh, difficult. And I've talked to you, Pat, about this. It's hard sometimes to find a preceptor and stay there. Um, and you don't have to, you can have different preceptors. I, as I've had different preceptors, I think there's a lot of benefit from learning from different people. Um, finding that right apprentice pre preceptor uh, relationship is very difficult. 
because we're all individual and we're all unique and it's okay for the preceptor to have boundaries, but it's also okay for the student to have boundaries. And and so that can be a difficulty. Um, And then also just dealing with, um, dealing with childcare. I think that was, that was a big part. And really COVID was what allowed me to finish up my apprenticeship because suddenly my husband was working from home. So it was okay if we didn't have childcare during the day because I homeschool. And so that was helpful. Sounds like lots of challenges. Lots of challenges. Mm -hmm. So glad to be mostly on the other side of it. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yes. All right. Thank you. Who would like to go next? I could go next. All right. Um, I started this journey. I, I used to be the girl in church who always wanted to hold everyone's hand and everyone's baby. I'm sorry. And I stared <laughs> at pregnant women. I was infatuated. And um, I worked as a doula for a, about a, over, a little over a year. And I, you know, I was like, I'm one of those people where you only live once. So you should just go for it and like try to be your highest self. (laughs) And I never believed in myself growing up. I always had very low self-esteem. and That's something as a student that I've really challenged with. I've been challenged with. I've always felt like I wasn't good enough. So I was on a walk one day and I was like, man, but I'm not good enough. I want to be a midwife. You know, I've, I've had my babies with the midwife, one of my babies with the midwife. I love it, but I'm just good enough to be a doula. So I kind of battled through all of that. And then after COVID, um, life changed for me because I, I saw people who were here and then they weren't here anymore. So then I said, well, let me go for it. And so I joined school. I'm talking about we hardly had any money because we lost pretty much all of our clients during COVID. My husband has a non-emergency transport service and I have children and I I was on food stamps and all this, but I went for it anyway. And um, every day I realized that I live a it's literally a faith-based life. Like, you know what? I am good enough. (laughs) And the purpose of life is to push ourselves and to be in that uncomfortable place. And so I've taken joy in just being in a new place in a new place of um, constantly learning and adapting and connecting. It's just such a big world out there. And so that's how I got started. That's that's a wonderful story. You know, those patterns, those messages that we get when we're born, uh, that we live with as young children, those messages are so important because those are the messages that are in our heads for the rest of our lives. And um, what I'm hearing is that you took a look at those messages and you said, no, that's not right. That's not the truth about me. And this is what is the truth about me. And you, you rose above it. You, you interfered with those patterns running your life for the rest of it. Um, You did so good. Yes. Thank you. I actually ended up um, working with some of, it was a miracle to me. And 
I sometimes still can't believe it, but I ended up somehow working with the best midwives in Houston, Texas. <laughs> I mean, after traveling so many different places and working mm-hmm. with so many midwives, somehow this girl who was not good enough for anything, and I thought I, I just wasn't smart enough, somehow I'm with some of the most smartest midwives honestly in the world you know wonderful (laughs) it was beautiful that's wonderful thank you all right who's going next i'll go next um gosh so i how did i get into midwifery (laughs) i worked for uh, a large hospital system here in Houston for eight years before I became a midwife. Um, and even before that, um, um, I, I went to grad school, I moved to Houston, and I worked for a nonprofit for a year. Um, and then I got on with this hospital system as a health educator and program planner in women's health, because that's where my master's lies. And I spent eight years there developing a program Um that I loved and thought was great. I got married there. I had all my children there. I made some amazing friends that we're still friends today. Um, I lost my mother while I was there. And um, it got to a point where, you know, you're like, oh, I'm at that ceiling, you know. Um, there, I have to do something else. Um, and while working there, I sat for the MCAT twice. I applied to nursing school. I applied to PA school uh, in all, um, I decided, I mean, I started and everything. I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm not doing that. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I just was like, what is this? This is trash. I mean, I just could not get on board and my poor family. I mean, they just were like, that's okay. I mean, a lot of tears, everything. And so I finally decided, you know, no, that's not what happened. That is all that happened. But then a colleague of mine, she was a nurse. I, I, I did work closely with a lot of nurses and she looked at me and she said, you know, you're good at what you do, right? <laughs> she goes, you have a, like, this is a career for you. I don't think you are like living in the moment in which you have been placed. And so when she told me that, I said, well, you know, I'll just kind of do like a little side hustle and, um, create my own business and do like health education on the side and all of that. So I did that for a little bit. And then um, when we found out we were pregnant with twins, which was mind blowing um, and very uh, emotionally charging, (laughs) you know, I was like, oh my God, how are we having two babies? Um, But the twins were kind of the push uh, towards midwifery. So after uh, both of my children are surgical births, Um, or all of my children are surgical births. And after the twins, I was very upset um, and very disappointed in myself as a consumer um, and also in the system, right? So I I had to do a little bit of self-work. Like, you know, I didn't hire a doula the second time. I didn't push back. I didn't ask, you know, I just was crying in despair. Like, how can we have to have another C-section? Like, I just didn't do my due diligence. So I had to accept that. But then I also was disappointed that my provider wasn't like completely honest that she just probably was never going to allow me to V back with twins. And so um, 
we went, we had our babies. They're here. I cried the entire surgery. The sweet nurse was like, Miss Coleman, what's wrong? I just was bawling the entire surgery. Um, and I think six months in, I woke up and I said, I'm going to go be a doula. That's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go be a doula. Now, never, never did I have any interest in any of that. Okay. I have known doulas. I thought the doula I hired for my first was great, but it wasn't something I was like, oh yeah, this is great. I just love it. No, nothing. Okay. I was trying to figure out how to get to nurse, get somewhere. I didn't know where I was going, but I was clearly desperate to find it at the time. Um, and at that time I was working for another hospital system part-time doing education. And so I, um, and I too was a rebel at that hospital. So anyways, I became a doula and I was really fascinated. I said, is it, I did say this y'all. I said, what, is this all I got to do to be a doula? This is it. I mean, I was pumping and nursing. I mean, you know, I, I drove to Galveston. I went through the Kappa program and I literally was sitting there looking at the lady like, this is it. I do this every day. I just don't do the hands-on piece. So all she needed to say to me y'all was after the training, you can technically go and work, right? Like you don't necessarily have to be certified or anything like that. And that's what I did. That's what I did. So I became a doula. March, was it March? Yeah, March of, uh, ooh, y'all, uh, 2016, 2017. And then I, uh, I had a dear friend. Some of you guys know her, Catrice Harris. She um, kind of held my hand through those first few months of um, doula work. I think I text her every time a client texted me exactly what they said and exactly what I said and to be sure that was okay. She finally was like, that's enough. You got it. <laughs> um, and so everybody that came from it to me was through word of mouth. And then I met another birth worker. She's an IBCLC. Um, and she invited me to um, a, uh, what did she invite me to? A black, um, it was Black Breastfeeding Week. And she invited me to come to the birthing place to talk to talk about breastfeeding and supporting women, women breastfeeding as a doula. And that is where I met Afua Hassan. And I was like in love with just the space. I was like, what is this place? This is just amazing in here. What is this? And that's all she wrote. I didn't know that at the time, <laughs> but God did. <laughs> But I got involved in the community that she had there just with my children. No, I, I wasn't thinking of being a midwife. I wasn't anything. I just enjoyed being around other women who had children. It was great. And then one day I was in the shower and I heard a whisper, you know, you, it's pro, you know, um, and it said midwifery, just real softly. And I remember looking like, what? Midwifery? I ignored it. And then I heard it for a second time. And I was like, what? Mm -mm. What is like, and I kept saying like, well, what is it really? You know, like, what is it? And then I went to, um, uh, at the time, uh, Leah Whitley, she's a, a IBCLC. And I asked her, hey, what do you think about me doing midwifery? And she was like, oh my God, you'd be great. And I thought, 
how you gonna tell me I'm gonna be great at something? She don't even know me, but okay, whatever. <laughs> so then I asked another friend and um, they said the same thing, but I didn't pursue it. And then I heard that that voice midwifery for a third time. And at that same time, within that same like week, week and a half, Leah followed up with me and said, hey, have you spoken to Afua yet? And I said, no, because I don't even think this is something I want to do. And she goes, you should really talk to her. So I went to her and I said, hey, what do you think about me doing midwifery? And she said, not with as much enthusiasm as Leah did, but she was like, yeah, you should do it. We need more Black midwives. And I said, okay. So I went home and I told my husband and my sister, who's also my ride or die, um, and they were like, oh my God, that would be perfect for you. And I'm like, why does everybody think this is great? And I just was really reluctant, very reluctant. Um, and so my first out of hospital experience was with Afua, first time mom, and I was terrified. I remember thinking, what in the hell is this? This looks dangerous. I mean, I was, I was very stressed, okay? And not that she was doing anything wrong. It's just that I had never seen anything like this before. And she came to me and she says, you cannot come back um, until you fix yourself. You fix your anxiety, fix. And I was looking at her like, what? And I was not a young woman, okay? It was like 30 something years old. Like, you know, I was looking at her like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, you know, she was right. I had a ton of anxiety I really needed to work on. Um, and so I came back because I'm a fighter like that. So I was like, she doesn't tell me what to do that. It's fine. So I, I come back and that was all she wrote. I met with uh, Rowan because I was going through, um, at the time I had signed up for, uh, what's her name, y'all? Um, she's a midwife on the, she has Bio Birth Center. Darlene. I was going through, yeah, Darlene. I had, yes, I had signed up for Darlene's program, but I wasn't sure how I was going to afford it, right? Like, I wasn't sure. So then I, uh, Afua said, hey, why don't you talk to Rowan? Rowan's going through the PEP program or something like that. And I was like, okay. And so I met with Rowan and um, that was the start of our friendship. She was like, girl, you need to do with a lot of flavorful language. You know, she encouraged me to go into PEP and that's what I did. And so two, uh, about two years were with um Afua, and then I left her um, and did a little work at um, North Houston Birth Center, and then I did some work with Bay Area Community Birth Center, and that's where I am now part-time um, down at Bay Area as well as my own um, private birth, um, home birth practice. So that's how I got into midwifery. Um, yeah, that's how I got here. Very good. Thank you. All right. How about Malaya? Sure, I'll go. Um, so as long as I can remember, I mean, like eight years old, um, I was thinking, I love babies. I think women are amazing and need more support and love um, to show our shine to the world and be appreciated. Like eight years old, uh, maybe I'll be a therapist. Uh, maybe I'll be an OB. Um, and so that's what I did. I had an aunt who had a home birth um, in our family home in the country when I was 11. 
she did not let me come, but she told me the story very vividly. Uh, she loves acting. So it was very vivid. And I was just in awe. Um, it sounded so magical uh, to be, you know, all natural, being in her own space, surrounded by nature, raining gently. It was just very poetic, her story. Um, and then I had another family member give birth in the hospital when I was 16. And she did allow me uh, essentially be her doula. And I was amazed because her mother couldn't take blood or smells or anything. And I was totally um, excited and in my element and engaged. And um, one of the nurses was like, you may hold her leg to try to bring me into the moment. And I was very grateful for that because I felt an overwhelming sense of warmth in my body that I should be in these spaces more. Um, and so sort of forget the therapy thing. I'm just going to go for being an OB. Um, so then I graduated, uh, got into university in Connecticut, and I was pre-med, very excited. During a break, um, I was able to meet with a doctor who is a family friend, and she's an OB. And she took me to her office and kind of was talking to me about her life, and it just sounded awful. <laughs> Um, it sounded so disconnected uh, from what I visualized being able to do as a provider and the intimacy and care that I would be able to offer clients, um, which she called patients. And so it was just, I was noticing a disconnect there. Um, and so I paused and decided that I needed to figure out what I was gonna really do uh, rather than just keep going blindly. And talking to family, that aunt who had a home birth when I was 11 was pregnant again. Uh, she was in her master's program and she's pregnant again. And she had a new midwife this time because she moved to a new city. Uh, so that was Houston. And her midwife was a fool Hassan. And so she told me, uh, you're coming into town. We were throwing a surprise party for my uncle who was going to medical school in Cuba. And she was like, so since you're coming to visit for family events, just meet my midwife and just ask her a couple questions about being a midwife to decide if this is what you want to do instead. Um, and I met Hua and all the personality. I was very intimidated, my little 18-year-old self, <laughs> um, by this uh, bold and magnanimous woman and this space that she has created, like Francis said, it really is impactful when you uh, walk in. And she gives me this speech. In hindsight, I think of it like you get to the top of the mountain and your, your seafood gives you this speech about what it takes uh, to train with them. Um, she was essentially saying she's difficult to work with. She has very high expectations. And uh, not anyone has met them yet in her time as a preceptor. So I was thinking, oh, man, there's no way she's going to accept me. I'm like this little 18-year-old girl. What do I know about life and the world? And I wasn't even sure I wanted to be a midwife. I'm just trying to ask questions to figure it out. Uh, but then she tells my aunt, uh, tell her that if she moves here, then she can be my student. And so I in a month's time, packed up all my belongings and drove cross country, essentially, um, with my aunt and moved in with family. Really no plans, no job, no way of 
knowing where I would live after family got sick of me and all of those things. Um, but I found a job, started working with Fua, and uh, I was with her off and on for about five years. And it was uh, definitely a winding road. Um, and then I took a couple years off to study and prepare for my exam. It was definitely a winding road. Definitely um, <laughs> being let go and then rehired a lot was a process. Um, and also, figuring out how to balance what is essentially a full-time job being a student um, with like all of the other responsibilities that come with life and sustaining your life. And um, I did get to work with Francis for part of my student journey, along with a lot of Afua's other students, Davida, um, LaMonica, TT. Um, and we're all in different places in our journey, but it has definitely been life-changing and created a, a community and a tribe that I didn't expect to find. Very good. So that's how I started. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, Victoria? Yep. Um, so I had a midwife for my first, uh, Miss Bernadette here in Houston. And unfortunately, I went into labor at 34 weeks and got sent to the hospital and uh the doctor was horrible all the doctors were horrible my son ended up NICU and all the things um and that was back in 2015 and then in 2017 I actually started working for Bernadette right before she shut down the birth center and um after she shut down the birth center I mean that day I literally called my husband and was like I've now been doing this for several months a lot because we were very busy. Um, and I said, this is what I want to do. Am I crazy? And he's like, what do you mean? This is what you want to do? I was like, I want to apply for a midwifery school today. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, what is happening? Like you have a job. What do you, I said, well, actually, you know, Bernadette no longer needs an office manager. So I don't actually have a job anymore. Um, so here we are. I enrolled in midwifery school the next day. And, uh, I think that, you know, the biggest hurdles that I found were one, finding a preceptor, you know, you have to have the same set of values mostly, right? Not everybody is going to be a perfect fit. Um, but definitely knowing when to voice, you know, Hey, you know, just because I'm a student and you don't pay me doesn't mean that you can walk all over me. Right. Um, so finding that fit and that balance, and then like everyone else said, affording to be a full-time midwifery student is hard. Um, paying for childcare, paying your bills, all of those things, you know, I ended up doing the pet process. Um, and I worked, a lot of odd jobs. I cared for a little old woman with dementia for two and a half years. Um, and luckily her daughter was very supportive and she, you know, was supportive if I had to leave to go to birth. Um, but I knew after working at Bay area, finishing my, um, apprenticeship, I finished, I finished my hours with Stephanie and Francis a week before COVID hit. And then a week later, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. Um, and I knew 
that Frances is the one that I wanted to work with. And she's also the one that delivered my daughter. And basically after I was about six months postpartum, I called her and I said, so are you ready to work with me yet? And (laughs) she, you know, was kind of like, yeah, that's great. But she wasn't sure. And I literally, I think, called her every week and was like, okay, so are you ready to work with me yet? Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back into it. I cannot be at home anymore. Like midwifery is what I want to do. And you're the one that I want to do it with. And um, yeah, here we are. We've now been together. uh, It's been almost two years. And yeah, here we are. Very good. Thank you. I think I we've talk, heard from everyone. Um, so we don't have a lot of time left, and there's some things I'd really like to uh, have you share. Uh, one is um, uh, your journey as a student midwife. Uh, what was hard? Uh, what advice might you have to someone who is thinking about becoming a midwife? And what do you wish the community knew about midwifery? So we don't have very much time, but I'd like to hear any of your thoughts about that. Uh, Who'd like to start? I'll say real quick, and I'll try not to be long-winded. But the hard part is that um, it's midwifery. Like, I I don't, midwifery equals hard. Um, It equals hard. And I think if you, anybody out there wouldn't be a midwife, do it. It's great. There's a lot of warm and fuzzies, but it's hard. And it's hard. You don't know how hard until you get into it. You know, you have a lot of things to say about your preceptor till you get into it. You'd be like, oh, I see. (laughs) I see. And I think um, now that I've been a midwife, I think what could help in our community is just like, we don't, like, I, I don't know if families understand, like, we don't have this big support system that, like, we can be protected from somebody's grievances like an OB could in the hospital, right? It's just like, Pat, you didn't get my baby. You didn't tell me that, so I'm mad at you, even though you may have told them that. <laughs> or you may have, like, and it, we don't have anything to protect us. Like, we are showing up to this line of work very vulnerable and honestly, hearts. all of us on this call, I know are doing this because it is a passion, um, but it's a passion that leaves us open in a lot of ways, no matter how defensive you try to be, it is what it is. And it's hard. There's a lot of crying. I mean, you eat a lot. Um, you know, you try not to pick up other, uh, you know, vices <laughs> to cope with the stress the job brings. But it is what it is. Um, but I think um, Aaliyah said it, you know, you, you find your tribe, you find that group of women who are going to have your back um, no matter what. Um, very and good. So, yeah. Two things I, I really want to expound on. Uh, definitely midwifery is a calling. Um, it isn't a job where you go and make money and have a great life and Uh, get to take care of yourself. It's a calling. And the other piece is that uh, midwifery is about the heart. It's We do it because it is a calling, because it's heartfelt. Okay, somebody else. I would like to add to that, that 
like we continuously talk about supporting our community. And when we say that, you know, we're talking about all the families in the community that we support. And as a newer midwife, only being licensed for three years, I have found such a great like sisterhood and community within other midwives. And I now want to like always acknowledge that community that we have amongst ourselves and supporting one another. Um, I was at a birth that was going on two days and I called another midwife in pretty much to tell my mom to go to the hospital because I was too tired to be there anymore. And instead she brought me food and reassured me everything was fine and that we just both should sleep for the night and in the morning we'd have a baby. And we did. Um, so supporting one another has been one of the really great things I think I have taken away this past year with being licensed, even more than supporting my family is supporting my other sisters in midwifery. Very good. Someone else. I'm going to just kind of continue on that, that theme of community in that um, I've, I have gotten to work with a lot of different midwives in the community and I've gotten to meet and get to know, and I've learned some hard lessons about um, what community means. And I've been somebody who didn't do a good job of supporting the community and, you know, learning what, what support looks like and just how hard this job is and how, um, how important it is to have each other's backs. And it is scary. Like what Francis was saying, like there's, um, I've in the last few months, I've seen a lot of midwives where there's, there's fear, um, in supporting each other because it's not knowing exactly where everybody's boundaries are and what's going on. And so I really want to lean into the, you know, at three in the morning, I might be with a mom and I might need to call one of these women on this phone and say, I am so sorry to bother you at three in the morning, but I've got another mom in labor. And can you please, please, please go support that mom. So we have to have each other's backs. Um, And that's important because when we have each other's backs, we make midwifery stronger and then we can support moms better. And so there's no, there's no scarcity in midwifery. There's a midwife for every person. I think there's a midwife for every single person Um, and everybody's got a slightly different vibe and different take on things. And so we can all, you know, there's enough, there's enough and midwifery is growing. So very good. Thank you. Someone else. So I think that something that people, clients outside of the midwifery community, I think a good insight for them to see is that we are humans, right? And we are those ones that are showing up for you at three o'clock in the morning or at 10 o'clock at night, or when you're having a meltdown, we're the ones that are there for you. And sometimes it is our families that are suffering because of that, right? You know, this week I missed tucking my children into bed four times and that's hard. And it makes you feel very guilty. Sometimes, you know, that you're doing a great job and you're helping people the way, the best way that you know that you can, but remembering that just because midwives are more accessible than OBs doesn't make us less human. Right. Right. That's right. Someone else. I think that was beautifully stated and to sort of speak off of what everyone has said. Um, 
I think Francis covered that it is hard. You won't really know all of the ways in which it will challenge you until you're in it. And I think that's just with life in general. Um, and that's true. Uh, you miss things, you miss opportunities, you miss chances to do maybe some of the other things that you would have loved to have done. Your family and friends grow distant sometimes if they don't understand why this is so important for you to do. Um, but that community does make it better. And you find friends that are able to hold you and understand you so much more wholly. Um, and I think that midwifery is growing and pivoting in a direction that I think will make it more sustainable for us all. Because like Victoria said, we are humans. And we do have other things in our life that matter to us too, that sometimes we have sacrificed for this calling because it has been that important. Um, but I think that if we deepen our tolerance, if we deepen and improve the way that we receive each other when we make mistakes um, and we forgive, then we can push midwifery in a direction where maybe we don't feel so much like we are sacrificing our family and our marriages and our friendships um, and our other dreams if we have other interests as well. And I'm excited for that because I think uh, we're very capable. If any field is, is very capable of just being very radical about making something holistic and healthy for everybody participating in the system, I think midwifery has great potential to be that field to do that. Very good. Someone else. You know, I, I would say for any inspiring midwives, people who want to be a midwife, the most beneficial mind, the most beneficial mindset for me would have been the fact that I'm here to serve. And even in the preceptor student relationship, because, you know, our preceptors have, have lots of responsibilities. And I had to learn that my insecurities about not being good enough, all of that didn't matter. And I had to learn how to put myself aside and my own emotional trauma aside and to serve and um, keeping a, a, an attitude of serving has really brought me far. And I look at my midwifery journey when um, I had first conceived, I look at it as a pregnancy. When I first conceived the idea, I was pregnant with an idea. I'm excited, like a first time mom texting everybody and having gender revealed. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I made all A's and my <laughs> Mika accredited program, I was on fire. But then when the baby started crowning, I found that, you know, I wanted to prevent a dystocia. Yes. Dystocias were that, those mental things like, oh, um, you know, just hurt feelings and just all of those things that are in our head. And so I would just tell anyone who is inspiring to be a midwife to 
let all those distortions go away. You can't listen to them because in the end, we have to have a faith. And no matter what spiritual background that you are, there's this faith that you have. And um, that faith is what's going to get me through being a midwife. So I just really want to encourage everyone to just let go of those distortions. (laughs) Sir, because, yeah, like there were times where I, I told my previous preceptors, I told them, you know what? I don't know what I can do. I, I can't go in there and do those cervical checks right now. I don't know how to do what you know how to do, but I'm going to do what I know how to do. So I would go in those birth rooms and clean up those birth rooms like they were never cleaned before. <laughs> I would dust things that never been dusted and I would just clean because that was the only thing I knew how to do because I was keeping that attitude of serving. So yes. very good. What a journey. I'm I'm so disappointed we've run out of time because you have so much more to tell us. Um, so maybe we can wait a few months and come back and do another show again because I, I I think it could be so valuable for our community to hear a little more of of your journey and, and what you have to share. But thank you. Thank you all so very much uh, for being here and doing what you've done and persevering no matter how hard it was, you didn't give up and look where you are today. Thank you, Pat, for having us on today. We've really, really enjoyed it. And anytime we can give out that extra knowledge or be of assistance, let us know. Thank you. Thank you all. If you want to contact us, and we're always pleased to hear from you, our address is homemothershow at gmail.com. If you want to contact me personally, please feel free to email me at birthcare at aol.com. You can listen to this show again and many other great shows on homemothershow.com. Thank you to our engineers, to Eric, to Edward, to EJ for all your support to keep the show possible. Thank you out there for listening to Whole Mother. I'm Pat Jones. This is KBFT Houston, 90.1 HD1.
high above the chimney top that's where you find. 